Good morning. I hope you're all doing well on this uh, rainy day. We, uh, we've had a bit of an interesting morning. And, uh, you know, we kind of were talking about reverence in our uh, prayer time. And I think we all found it awfully convicting um, about how we approach this and how we approach God in in this and in our daily lives. And it's really stirring with me this morning about how, uh, especially in this culture, in this society that we live in, where we have so much, we have so much that, uh, many oftentimes we, even though we don't acknowledge it, what do we really need God for? I'm putting food on my table, healthy. And, uh, I approach him as kind of this, uh, cosmic janitor that comes in and cleans up my messes and he's so much bigger than that so uh figured if i'm convicted this morning y'all might as well be too <laughs> so uh huh i want to read uh, a little bit out of isaiah we'll save the child is born part before it till next week But uh, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. This is our God. This is who we serve. This is who we worship this morning. So I would uh, invite you to approach him uh, this morning with reverence and uh, try to get a little taste of, of who a holy God really is. Joy, you are joy 
All right. We're going to read Psalms 136, 1 through 4, and it's going to be a responsive reading. Ryan, could you put that first verse up there for me, buddy? You guys are going to respond, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And I want to hear you guys respond. It's a war cry. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to God of God's. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords. To him who alone does great wonders.
chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 it says therefore i urge you brethren by the mercies of god to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to god which is your spiritual service of worship and do not and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of god is that which is good and acceptable and perfect
take our lives, Lord. Oh, man. We love you, and we just want to be in your will. Speak to our hearts this morning, Lord. Help us to uh, pursue less of us and pursue more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Kids, you are dismissed. As they go, Pastor Dennis is going to come up and pray for us. Just following, just following the custom, if you're invited to come and pray, you're allowed to talk for a second before you pray. I, just, just. Last, I was thinking during our worship, during our musical worship time, because we're not done with worship, right? During our musical worship time, uh, there was a powerful theme this morning about ho- the holiness of God. And I couldn't help but be reminded of what Pastor John was teaching last Sunday, uh, that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ passed through, passed through that outer court and even passed through the holy place and into the Holy of Holies and opened the veil that we could all come in anytime, all the time. But it is still the Holy of Holies that we're coming into. Am I tracking in mud into the Holy of Holies? How should I come in this access that I have? Should I come carelessly, thoughtlessly? Should I just come stumbling in? I guess you can come stumbling in. Sometimes we kind of need to. But if I'm coming thoughtfully, I, I want to make sure I'm not tracking in my, my mud. Let's worship in prayer, and then let's worship in giving. Thank you, Lord, for making room for us in your holy presence. Sometimes I imagine it might be unpleasant for you it could be unpleasant for you if I were to come into your presence, into your holy presence, with the mud that clings to me. You've made a way for us to be clean in your presence. You've said to us in many ways, but especially through John If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And on this day, as we come into the Holy of Holies, as we have been singing and thinking and reminded about who you are and who we are and offering up to you ourselves in sacrifice, may our sacrifice be acceptable, be pleasing 
in your sight. We come into your presence with an offering. May it be not what is left over, not what is left at the bottom of the bag when we come to the end of the week, but may it be our best ever and always, the very best we might give to you, because you deserve nothing less than our best, whatever that is. Receive our best gifts today as we present them to you, our holy God, here in your holy place, your holy people, bringing an offering. Make it a holy offering, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Dennis, and good morning. Um, If you are a visitor with us, we welcome you. We ask you, uh, if you are willing, to fill out the little card in the pouch in front of you and tell us a little bit about yourself, drop it in the wooden box on the right on your way out, or you can give it to one of these folks. Um, Just one quick announcement from me, and then I'm going to turn it over to Pastor John, who's got a couple more. Uh, Carol's Cookie Walk will be on Saturday, December 14th uh, at 10 a.m. through uh, 12 p.m., We need lots of cookies to sell. Uh, Please see the sign-up sheet out in the foyer. Please see your bulletin for additional and more detailed announcements. Pastor John. Thank you, Michael. So you all can see we're going to have communion this morning, right? So I thought I would look religious. (laughs) I'm not doing a baptism today, but there's a reason. There's a method to my madness. I'll explain it in a few minutes. Let me just... It's a good time around the Lord's table for the body to do body life. You know what I mean? Sometimes we have you share what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. Today, we don't have time to listen to what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. No, I'm kidding. I don't know what's planned for communion because I'm not in charge of it. I've got a great staff, and uh, we have, I mentioned last week, really good leaders in our church. I've been so encouraged lately. I'm almost happy. Having joy is more important than being happy, right? So, anyway, but I am joyful. So, good things are happening. Let me just share something. Um, uh, I got this uh, record of this last week about ministries that we do. One of them is our food pantry. Okay, ready for this? Thanks for prayers for the pantry. We really are seeing some good things happen. The pantry broke its record this last week. We had 92 families... 24 brand new families, and wait, 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 hold the applause. That's good though, right? Um, All the individuals that were touched, 308 in some way. I mean, wow. Now, is there a police chaplain from New York City in the room? He threatened to come. He actually showed up this last week. So uh, I'll look forward to finding out who he is. Just moved up into the area. So he was there. So, um, and they gave out bunches of turkeys. How many turkeys? 88. 88 and had three left over. So God's still watching out, so I get dinner on Thanksgiving. <laughs> so anyway, it's just so fun to see that. And what I want to say about that is it looks to me like God is setting up harmony for ministry success if we're willing to grab a hold of it. And that's what we want to do is grab a hold of it. Amen? So that's kind of fun. I love giving good news. So there's another ministry that we've been involved in a long time. 
So I want to mention a few things about it, if I may. Anybody want to stop me? That's good. I'm glad you gave the right answer, because as if I was going to stop anyway. Harmony Christian School began holding classes in September of 1980. Think about it. Next year will be the 40th anniversary of Harmony Christian School. That's a long time. That's a lot of kids and uh, people going through the school, etc. First senior graduation took place in 1991. I mean, they built their school up until the graduating class and blah, 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 right? So you get it. So I wanted to mention that because um, there's been some changes, and it's appropriate for me to share with you today. But the first thing I want to do is talk about when it started. There was a gentleman here who's, uh, you might recognize the last name, Tom Gruner, who in 1979 was sitting on the board before we even had students starting and uh, did that for years. And then somebody related to him. Joan, that was the name. Joan Gruner um, started on the board. If I've got this right, Joan, you can throw a hymn book at me if I got it wrong. Not really, but you might. Uh, Since 91 to 2019, am I right? Pretty much. 18 years of serving in the school and on the board, etc. That's a long time, wouldn't you say? Anybody that's done something like that should at least get Sunday school pins or something, don't you think? I don't count well. This is why I didn't go into accounting. Joan, if you would stand up, yes. Yes, you do. You have to stand up. Congratulations. You did it. I did it. I promised I was going to do it, and I did it. A little token of our appreciation. I know this happened last week, too, to somebody. It won't happen every week, just in case you're hoping. (laughs) Oh, I hope I'm next, you know, that kind of thing. So thank you, Joan, for your service, and especially um, just filling you in on two things. One is, Joan comes from that generation that we call the builders. You know, when we talk about the greatest generation, they're almost all dead now, right? The people who fought in World War II and uh, the likes of which it seems like we haven't seen as much. And uh, the same thing is true in the church. The builders were the ones who had it as their value to give and to serve and to sacrifice and make places like this that are still standing happen. Now, a lot of them are closing in. Buildings like this are becoming museums and art displays and stuff like that because we're losing some of that generation. God has to raise up fresh disciples who have that same mindset, not to do exactly the same thing because I think the church is going to look different in the 2020s, but we do need another builder generation. Does that make sense? So if you're a growing disciple, if you believe what you've been saying, I'll say no other name, what we've been singing this morning, it's time to be his follower. And uh, we'll talk about that in a few minutes, but I wanted to honor uh, Joan. Uh, She and Terry and the rest of the board have been cooperative as after our annual meeting, we saw that our school was struggling a bit. We have very fine elders who stepped up to the plate, and we've uh, gotten involved in trying to help and adjust things, and so there's been a little bit of a shift. Now, I want to quote Mark Twain. Do you remember Mark Twain said when they put they published his obituary in a paper while he was still alive. The reports of my death were greatly exaggerated. (laughs) There's a reason I'm saying that, because there are people outside and inside, maybe in this room today, who are sharing the data that we're closing the school. 
That's not true. So I'm just telling you, you ought to stop saying it. And if you hear it, you need to push back on it. We had a scare. We lost some funding. We lost some students. Yes, there was a shock to our system. And uh, so since that meeting, this uh, rising up of leadership has happened. We've modified the board. Joan has graciously stepped aside because uh, we want to get back into compliance as much as we can. Terry Lucas, who knows much more about education than I ever will, has stepped aside to be my vice chair, and I'm stepping up to the chairmanship. This is not something that I ever dreamed would happen, but here we are. And we're going to do the very best we can to upgrade the leading, the ethos, and the effectiveness of Harmony Christian School. I talked to a friend of mine who saw two schools turned around in a positive way, one on Long Island, one in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I was on the phone suffering for Jesus all the way to karate class yesterday. I was talking to him, and uh, he pumped me up with the potential that we have for transformational lives going out into the world if we do it right. So I'm encouraging you to pray for us today, okay? Um, one of our problems is the stakeholders or who originally made this ministry start, those days are gone. We don't have as many people from Harmony that have kids in the school. That's not a condemnation. Parents have to do exactly what they feel led to do for their children. But when there are people who want their kids in that environment, we want to provide the best that we can. So we're going to have to start learning how to build this beyond just the walls of Harmony uh, Baptist Church, if you will. So here's what I'm mentioning. I want you if, you, if your antenna have pricked up at all, I need board members, I need volunteers, I need people who have ideas. I'm willing to talk to anybody about anything, even if it's a crazy idea. I'll tell you it's crazy, but I'm willing to talk with you. And so... Uh, be praying into that with us, if you would, and uh, we would appreciate your support as we lead this into the future, okay? We've got a challenge ahead of us, and uh, we're hoping God will undertake. It's got to be God. When I heard, when I heard um, somebody, actually, I don't want to get too specific, but speak in those negative death-speaking terms, something rose up in me like when David heard Goliath blaspheming the armies of the living God. I'm going to take your head off you. Now, literally, I won't do that because then I would go to jail, and I don't want to retire in jail. But I do want to see God rise up and show his strength and work on our behalf. So would you just pray for us in that? And if you feel prompted in any way, please come and talk to us, all right? I'm going to ask the board members in the room if there are any. Uh, we, we've, uh, we are, we've shrunk a bit. But there are some, if they're in the room, if they would just stand. And if they're not, we'll talk about them all week. No, I'm kidding. Board members, just stand up. There's Elisa Vizethan, uh, Angela, and uh, I don't see anybody else today, but we have a few more, like uh, Mr. Barubi, and who am I leaving out? Terry. Well, Terry, yeah. I don't know what they're doing today, but she's in there. I'm going to ask um, that you remember these people in prayer and support them, and you can speak to those who have stood with ideas that you have. I am all ears. I don't know how else to put it, all right? So thank you. I'm going to ask, thank you for standing. I'm going to ask uh, Dr. Dennis Ashley, the Bible teacher in our school, how appropriate, to pray for us and to pray for our school today before we enter into the time of communion. Thank you, Dennis.
I would never, ever presume to amend or correct anything our pastor said, but I'm only one of the Bible teachers in our school. All of our teachers are teaching God's word, no matter what subject they're teaching. It's one of the reasons why there is a place, an important place, for Christian education. And it's why uh, people like the Gruners and the others uh, felt led of the Lord to establish a school here. Thank you for that. Let's pray together. God, these are perilous times, difficult days, days very different than in 1980 when Harmony Christian School was established. In many ways, there has never been a time in the history of our country when we needed you more or wanted you less. I am thankful, Lord, that there is a school here a principal ministry of Harmony Baptist Church, established nearly as early as the church itself was established, recognizing that there is a need in our community, in our region, for the Word of God and the God who is in the Word to be proclaimed and thereby to transform the lives of those who will hear. We pray especially this morning, Father, for our school. Thank you, Father, that you have appointed Pastor John now as he has been leading this church effectively and faithfully and powerfully in these last six years uh, to now bring his abilities and attentions to this principal ministry of our church, and we pray, Lord, that you will be fruitful in his ministry as uh, leading this board, as you have been fruitful in his ministry in leading this congregation. I pray that those around him, the current and future members of our school board, will will, uh, partner along with him and with the school and continue to bring leadership and vision and resource to this ministry. We pray, Father, for those uh, even here this morning who might already be being nudged by your Holy Spirit uh, to inquire, is there a place for me in this ministry? It's an exciting part of your work in this kingdom. Lives are being changed. Students from aged 2 to aged 18, from pre-K through 12th grade are being confronted with the claims of Jesus Christ, seeing evidence of transforming life. Lord, just this last Wednesday in chapel, many students in the middle school and high school stood and gave testimony and expressed thanks, gratitude to you for the blessing uh, that you have been pouring into their lives. What an encouragement that was. And everyone who has had a part in establishing and maintaining and supporting and staffing and funding and resourcing this school shares in the blessing of the transformed lives that are in evidence. We pray, Father, that your spirit will not 
withdraw, but will pour in even more, even greater things in, in the future of Harmony Christian School than we have before even begun to see. Just as you are pouring into this congregation, as evidenced in our worship already here today, we pray you will continue to pour in and pour over and inhabit this school, this ministry, for your kingdom, for your glory, we ask it in Jesus' name. Pastor Tim and I are going to now lead in the Lord's Supper. So if uh, those who are serving and those who are helping would make your way to the front, Pastor Tim is going to get it started. This is going to be different because I have to stand here. I can't move around. It's a little awkward. Uh, over the last, uh, I guess, month or so ago, uh, we've been talking in staff meeting about... Uh, uh, this idea of thankfulness, and we're heading into the Thanksgiving this uh, coming week and uh, talking about thankfulness and, and how does that look and how does that come into communion. Um, so I, I had sent an email to Dr. Ashley and said, you know, I've been reading through some of the uh, Old Testament for a class, and um, a lot of it was focusing on sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice and going through Leviticus and, and seeing this sacrificial system that it was in place. And I, I thought about that, and I thought, man, it would be kind of fun to maybe do like a tag team thing. And, and I had something that was kind of pushing on my heart, and uh, so we thought, yeah, let's give it a shot. And uh, this morning when I was reading through my notes, I totally forgot to email them to Dr. Ashley so we could make sure we were on the same page. So we're, uh, it's been one of those weeks for everybody. Uh, so I, we had talked briefly, and we thought th- this whole picture of sacrifice in the Old Testament and, and what it represented, what it meant, and, and kind of where we are now in Hebrews and talking about the tabernacle and the Holy of Holies and the high priest making sacrifice for the people and, and thinking about what that was. It, it is a symbol of God's justice and God's grace. And, and this was a practice that was uh, kind of, it might be foreign to us because I, I can't recall animal sacrifice in, in my brief history on the earth. But we, we don't think about it anymore. We don't do it. But to the Israelites, it made, it made a lot of sense because it was taught to them. And, and there's, so we, we have this animal and it's symbolically uh, dying in their place. And the purpose is to atone, it's to cover for their sin, it's to cover up to, uh, to appease God. And kind of thinking uh, what the purpose of that was, and, and not only to restore the relationship between God and man, but there was like this more indirect, uh, the, the, the offense of sin and evil that doesn't just impact me and God, it impacts me and Steve, it impacts me and my family, it impacts me and the whole environment, and how these, the sacrificial system was put in place to correct those things. And, and thinking about it and, and what it would look like, the, it, it's an innocent animal and it, it's butchered. I mean, it's pretty grim and grisly if you read through it. And, and the, the picture of the high priest sprinkling the blood throughout the tabernacle is a way to purify it. And, and how it, it, it's it, it, a symbol for us to think about purifying us and restoring that relationship with God. And not only was it for the priest, but it was also for the people to be able to restore their relationship with God. And I, I got to imagine that the people were probably really stoked that it was only the high priest that had to go into the Holy of Holies. 
I, I was thinking about it this morning, even just sitting here and thinking, what if I had to put the bells on myself and walk into that room? Could you imagine if all of Israel, one by one, had to line up and pass through the Holy of Holies? I, I, maybe that would have quickly shrunk the population. But like this mindset that someone, the high priest, was willing to risk everything for himself for the people. And I thought, man, that's, that's an amazing thought because, you know, we, we, we see scripture, you know, would one die for a, a, a just person or a good person? Probably, maybe. But what about a really wretched, dirty sinner? What about someone who is, like, continually, like, standing in opposition of God? Even, even the people that, like, stand in opposition of us where we feel like we want justice and, and we want to be God's righteous. We could do it. But the priest, the high priest was willing to do this routinely. So it just kind of made me think about that because uh, thinking about how over time this system started to become meaningless to the Israelites. It became just like something we do. Hey, guys, it's time for a festival. Let's have a party. Let's have a celebration. And reading through the prophets, you see this all the time. Isaiah opens with God saying, I'm kind of tired of this. Your, your, your sacrifice is meaningless. You're, you're neglecting everything else I've commanded you to do, but you, you, you brought your sacrifice. Yay. You know, and as it continues, it talks about Isaiah telling the people that they drew near to God with their lips, but their hearts were just so far from God, they had completely just lost the plot on everything. But the high priest still faithfully went and did what he was supposed to do. Isaiah also talks about this king that would come to suffer and to serve for us. And uh, Mike graciously skipped over those verses this morning because we're, we're heading towards that for Christmas. This child that would come, his name would be called, and what he would represent for not only Israel, but for all of us. And ultimately, Christ takes on this person of sacrifice. He takes on this, uh, this desire to have this relationship permanently restored with God, but there's a little bit of a catch to it. So the New Testament, the writers, they're, they're all talking about the sacrifice in different places. We've seen it in, in some of Hebrews, some of Paul's writings, the disciples' writings. Jesus even talks himself that he's come to serve, he's come to die, that he is now this, this innocent animal, if you will, in this defunct system of sacrificing that's supposed to impact the direct and indirect relationship for everybody. I thought about the purification process as they would sprinkle the blood and what that represented and how the blood of Christ now serves as our purification process. And how there is a, uh, the impact that it has on the, our direct relationship with God and our indirect relationship with God and, and how that starts to impact all of us. And how we have to go through this purification process as well. But the awesome thing about it is knowing that, yes, Christ died, but he also rose again, conquering death. And in that, there's, there's a couple of things. I wrote down three quick things that we, we can kind of move towards this as we see that Christ has conquered death forever, and he's, he's offered that to us. And, and one of those things is this is a sacrifice done by one person, one time for all. And it's done. And, 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 and standing in that and looking at it, and what does that mean for me now? And what are the next steps of that? And understanding that this is the power that lives in us to kind of steal the, the, I don't know the name of the song, but the same power is in us. And we have this ability now to come boldly, like we talked about last week, this opportunity to come before God. 
And, and we, we talk about this as we, we move through baptism, and we've had baptism, and this idea of, of being buried and raised to life, and walking in this newness of life, and this faith, and this relationship with God. And then we have communion, which is what we get to celebrate this morning. And this is all like a reminder. The Israelites, they would, they would go through this sacrificing, they would go through everything, and it would be a reminder of God's grace and God's mercy, and it would be an encouragement for them to get back on track and do what they were supposed to do. And this is kind of an opportunity for us to do the same thing. It gives us an opportunity to participate in and understand this process of sacrifice. Because these elements represent Christ. They represent what he's done for us, and it is a reminder And I was thinking in uh, the first time we did communion here when uh, my wife and I were visiting, and it was lively, and it was exciting, and I was like, this is different. (laughs) Communion's supposed to be solemn and quiet and reflecting, and you don't want to die because that's what the Bible says, that people took it the wrong way and they died. And as a kid, I thought, man, I'm going to die in my pew because I don't know what this means. It was so solemn to me that it, it became scary. But that's not freedom, and that's not liberty. And i got to imagine that that is not why Christ came to shed his blood and to die for us and to restore that relationship. So now when we stand before this table and we're able to participate in this, yeah, it is an opportunity for us to stop and reflect and say, hey, maybe there is some purification and cleaning up that I need to do. But it's also a reminder that we are connected to the ultimate life source. It's, it's an opportunity for us to, to, to kind of stop and refocus and, and, and reconfigure, calibrate our compass. And what are we chasing after? What are we striving for? What are we, what are we putting first in our lives? It gives us an opportunity to examine and to understand this transforming power that overcame death is that same power again that is just waiting for us to say, take over, be in control. And one of the things that we had talked about was, how do you say thank you for that? And we have a song that we're going to sing during communion, or at least the worship team is going to sing. And the whole idea, if I had everything, if I owned the world, with kingdoms, possessions, money, would that ever be enough? You know what's awesome is even in the sacrifice, God just says, hey, listen, love me, keep my commandments. Love me, keep my commandments. And, oh yeah, love your neighbor. Love each other. Do the right thing. So I want to encourage us with that this morning, is to think Christ, through what he's done we have this opportunity to come boldly into the presence of God. And I love what you said this morning. Are we tracking mud into the Holy of Holies? But you know what? We still have the opportunity to come before the Holy of Holies. Mud, warts, all of it, it's still there. The purification of the temple being done by the blood, we are that temple. God indwells us. He tabernacles with us gives us an opportunity to say, part of my temple needs to be cleaned up. How am I stopping the spirit from moving? Not just individually, but corporately. Because we have not only a responsibility between us and God, but a responsibility to each other. So how do we accomplish these things? One is by remembering and trying to find ways. How can I be thankful? Jesus says, love me, keep my commandments. First John repeats that. 
you love God, you keep his commandments. That's all I have this morning. I hope you can work with that. <laughs> Blessed are the flexible, for they will not break. Are these words familiar to you? For that which I have received I deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus on that night in which he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This bread is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way, when the supper was ended, the Lord Jesus took the cup and again He gave thanks for it, and he gave it to them, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for many for the forgiveness of sin. This do in remembrance of me. I'd like to ask our servers if you would come and begin to distribute the bread and the cup. In just a moment, I'm going to ask God to bless it. And uh, once you have received the bread, please go ahead and And thankfully eat it right away. And then as you receive the cup, if you would carefully hold it. And we'll all drink the cup together when we come to that moment. And uh, as the bread and the cup is being distributed to you, the worship team is going to lead us. Uh, I I remember last last month when we had communion, I wanted to stand and I wanted to sing. But I was worried about what I would do with the cup that I was holding. So I carefully put it on the floor and tried really hard not to kick it. <laughs> and I was successful. You might, you might want to hold it. If you, if you want to stand and sing, like I'm going to want to stand and sing, you might want to hold it carefully. But if you do hold it carefully, just remember you have it. If you go and raise your hand and you know, keep it balanced. Uh, would you come and and, uh, prepare to serve as we pray? Lord, the words thank you are not big enough. We We have to find a bigger and better way to express our appreciation for what you have done that we should not take it for granted. Maybe hundreds of times for some of us we have eaten this small piece of bread and, and uh, drink, drank, drunk and drank, poured into our mouths this tiny uh, drop of juice. Sometimes when it's so familiar, it becomes unimportant. This is the miracle and the mystery of our redemption. May we not take it for granted. May it be as meaningful to us today as it has ever been what you have done for us in opening access to us into the Holy of Holies by the sacrifice offered once for all sins by our great high priest, even the Lord Jesus Christ, who was pleasing to you And you accepted his sacrifice on our behalf once for all time, for all sin, for all people. We want 
to find a way to appropriately say to you, thank you. We'll make a beginning today in Jesus' name.
Communion is not something that we take. It's something that we receive. And I'd just like you to think about that difference. There is a king. And he has a kingdom. He is our king. He is my king. To the king. Please be seated. Thank you, folks. Little baskets will be going up the aisle to get rid of your empty cup. Thank you, Brett. Oh, wow, it disappeared. Thank you. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. There is a king. And he's worth serving. Are you all okay? Are you sure? All right. This morning, um, I want to just say before I forget, because I can imagine that I'll preach and then you'll all leave and I'll say, I forgot to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving, but have a safe and blessed Thanksgiving. Amen. Uh, God is good, and he watches out for his people, and I'm really glad he watches out for me because I need all the help I can get. Our message today in Better Things from Hebrews uh, flows into a subject that I feel like I'm doing a little bit of housekeeping along with the preaching of the word. The title is Greater or Lesser from Hebrews 5, 1 through 6. In the interest of time, I'm going to read it to you, and you can follow on the screen. It's in the same place, page 1198 is where it starts in the black book in the seat. But um, this passage uh, really is, is pointing us in a direction to something that is a key principle of worship. Have we, been, uh, have we been enjoying worship generally on Sunday mornings? I think we have been. Anybody want to say amen? amen. Okay. Those of you who are reading too soon, stop reading. Uh, we'll read it together in a minute. You don't have to read it out loud, but I'll read it. But we've been enjoying pressing in a little bit and sensing the spirit moving among us. And um, a key principle comes out in the book of Hebrews that relates to the way we worship. So here's the text. For every high priest, we already looked at this last week, speaking of Jesus welcoming into the Holy of Holies, and he's uh, the one who has compassion on us and therefore come boldly before the throne of grace. Remember all that? Every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men for things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can gently deal with the ignorant and misguided. That's us. Since he himself also is beset with weaknesses, Jesus wasn't, and because of it, he's obligated to offer sacrifices for sin as for the people, so for himself. Here's the key. Listen up now. No one takes this honor to himself, but receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was, so also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he who said to him, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee, just as he also says in another passage, Thou art a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek. I thought I'd look priestly today. 
because I'm preaching on priesthood. So I brought my little thing. How do I look? See, and I own these. I have these things. I, I got all kinds of interesting things at my house. You're going, oh, that's not funny. Uh, just so you know, it's not limited to certain denominations. When we were in Africa, the pastors of Nairobi Chapel all wear them. Okay? It's been a history. Baptists have worn them in history. Need to go do some digging, friends. Okay? So anyway, I'm going to start wearing one starting next week, and you guys are going to like it. That's the passage, and it's talking about a principle. So I have a subtle second title. I thought about this after the fact. I want to put the title back. Do we have the next one? Greater or lesser? Or put your money where... See, how come you picked that? Jesus said, put your money where your heart is. See how I roped you in on that one? Put your money where your heart is, but too many people don't do that. Or they say their heart's there, but they're lying. That's a good one to remember. Put your money where your heart is. That's a good one. But, yes, put your money where your mouth is. When I was in college, I was a brand new Christian, and uh, I had a great time witnessing on campus, and I was in a class with an Orthodox rabbi who was teaching... Uh, the religion of Israel, and he was a real believer in it, and we actually connected because I'm a real believer in his book. And so we got along, and there were a bunch of uh, Jewish people in the class who were liberal, which most of them are, and he had very little regard for them and thought I was better, and so I liked it, and I made a good grade, and I actually... Anyway, but, but here's what happened. I'm listening to him talk about... The fact that God is going to fulfill his promises, bring a Messiah, they're going to live in Israel, and I had the audacity to ask the question, so why are you working here making money? He says, why do you think I'm saving all my money? His intention was to move to Israel. And I thought, he's putting his money where his mouth is. He really is. I'm going to give you a quick survey Take your, if you're a note taker, I'm going to give you the answers. I always like to do this because I forget otherwise, but I'm only going to give you two so far. Number one, a survey, a brief survey of priesthood. Number two, a brief story about priesthood, and you've got to wait for the last one. I'm going to go as quickly as I can. A survey of priesthood. In the Bible, there's six kinds of priesthoods. I didn't leave you a place to fill it in. Use empty space on your bulletin if you want to know. Here's what they are. It should be obvious by now by what we're preaching. We're in the series of Hebrews that Jesus is our great high priest. All right, that's a given. So there's one. In the Old Testament, there were pagan priests. Around the world today, there are pagan priests. There are false gods with priests who help the people worship those false gods. All through the Old Testament, remember, Elijah had a great time killing a whole bunch of them? Boy, those were the days. But anyway, there were also false priests. What do I mean by that? Self-appointed or other-appointed. God had nothing to do with it. In the Old Testament, when they got away from God's word, they appointed people from among the masses and made them priests to all the gods around or even to God. You remember in the Old Testament, in Judges, uh, there was a guy who found a Levite and said, I'm going to make you my family priest. Surely God's going to bless me now. He was off the wall. Totally wrong, right? 
God had nothing to do with it. It was false or self-appointed. It's kind of like getting your ordination off the Internet. I'm serious. I had somebody call me one time. Oh, yeah, I got my ordination. I went, that sounds hokey. That's exactly what I said. They didn't like that. And you know why I said that? Because that's what it is, hokey. Anyway, there's false priests, self-appointed priests. There was also the Aaronic priesthood. When God pulled his people out of Israel and made a covenant with them, part of it was to establish the way we approach God. Remember, we've been teaching on that. So I don't need to unpack it all again. But here's the text that says it. Bring near to yourself Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the sons of Israel to minister as priests to me. It shall be a statute forever to him and to his descendants after him. That's Exodus 28. Jesus was not of Aaron's line. We're going to talk about that in a second, but here's the point. They were the ones for the children of Israel. That was the way to worship. The Levites, Aaron's descendants, which included the human high priest in Israel. There's also the privilege we have called the priesthood of... Some of you know that. You're not very good Baptists, you know. Six Baptist doctrine. Do you know what the six things are that make you Baptist? I mean, we're not preaching being a Baptist here today. We're preaching Bible, right? But one of them is the priesthood of believers, that all believers have the spirit and have a spiritual gift and have a ministry to do. We're all involved in the process of bringing God to people and people to God. And we have access, as we learned last week, to go into the Holy of Holies. Thank you for all that emphasis on that, Tim and and, uh, Dennis. Appreciate that. All right? We're priesthood of believers. But there's one other kind of priesthood. Did you know that God can do whatever he wants? And he can go pick who he wants. And he does. And so in the history of the scripture, we find that there are priests of the Most High God. We don't know how they became priests except that God chose them. Did you know that Moses married into one of those families? You remember Jethro? Priest of Midian, chosen and selected by God. And the person we're talking about today is like unto him, this great name of Melchizedek. Look what it tells us in the scripture in Psalms. The prophecy that is recorded in the end of the text that we just read in chapter 5 of Hebrews says this. This is Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet. That sounds like king of kings and lord of lords, doesn't it? But that's not all. He's prophet, priest, and king. And here's the priesthood. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You, Jesus, my son, are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Who is this guy? Well, you have to go back in history. And I'll do it as quickly as I can. There's a wonderful story in the Old Testament. Anybody ever heard of Sodom and Gomorrah? Sure you have. We use it as a byword almost, right? But back in the days when Abraham was on the earth, we're talking about mystical history, 1,800 years before the time of Christ. Abraham and his nephew Lot soddled, soddled, settled in that area. And four kings decided to become allies, the axis of evil. And they moved into that area and waged war and took bunches of people captive. And one of the people that was taken captive was Lot, 
Abraham's nephew and his whole family, taken away as slaves. And when Abraham heard about it, he rose up. He had that attitude like I was talking about earlier. I'm going to take your head off. I'm going to go deal with this. It was kind of like a scene out of the Patriot. You remember the Patriot when he goes and rescues his son? For those of you who watch things like that, which I don't recommend, but it sure was great. Anyway, (laughs) in his family, he had 318 trained men. 318. He makes 19. They must have practiced how to shoot arrows, sling stones, or something, because they went after these four armies that were conglomerated and beat the daylights out of them. They won the day. It's like a total upset. Absolutely would have made the national, international news. Here's what happened. After his return from the defeat of Keterleomer, that's the name of the, the guy that provoked the whole thing, the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom included, went out to meet him in the valley of Sheva, that is the king's valley. Sodom, king, Sodom's king wanted to thank Abraham and wanted to tell him, uh, take some of the spoils, just give me the people back. And Abraham must have known something. He said, no, nah, keep your money, I don't want it. They went out to meet him, and also Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And, let's be clear, Abraham gave him a tenth. Are you talking about money? You bet. Abraham gave him a tenth. Can I just point out the greater is blessing the lesser. And the lesser is honoring the greater with this pre-law practice. One of the big arguments Christians who are sinning in their greed love to argue about, you're teaching legalism. This is way before the law of Moses. Thousand years before. This is way before. There's an eternal principle being reflected in this. What was going on in in Eden right after the fall and they're making sacrifices? That is a giving process. Jacob said, if you'll be with me, I'll give you a tenth of all that I make. Where did this crazy idea come from? Baptist churches. No! It's an eternal principle that we're missing. So, Melchizedek, a type of Christ, receives a tenth. Let me unpack it a little more. Jesus entered as a forerunner for us, having become, this is a little later in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6. He's a forerunner for us, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Listen, this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom Abraham apportioned a tenth part, just repeating the story, Tenth part of the spoils. First of all, the translation of his name means king of righteousness. Melech, that's king. Sadak, Sadak is righteousness, the king of righteousness. And uh, the prince of uh, the, uh, yeah, that's it, right? King of righteousness. And he was governor of Jerusalem. Shalem, Salem, peace, shalom. You've heard it, shalom, right? The 
He's the king of righteousness and he's the prince of... Can it be any clearer? He is a type of Jesus who is coming. Listen, without father, without mother, without genealogy, they don't mean literally Melchizedek like showed up, poof. That's not what it means. We have no record. And because of that, he's like this mysterious person who came out of nowhere with no beginning and no end. Who is that looking like? Anybody connecting the dots here? It looks like our Savior, the Son of God, who has no beginning and no end. He's eternal, and he moves in on human history. And the lesser... Abraham, the father of our faith, the precursor of the entire children of Israel and all the evangelism that would happen in the universe, starting with him. In you shall all the nations of the world be blessed, God promised. He gives 10% to Melchizedek. <laughs> like that. Everybody with me? All right. So that brings me to my last point, the sacrifice of priesthood. There's a sacrifice involved in priesthood. The one whose genealogy is not traced from them collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed the one who had promises. Abraham had the promises, but without any dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. It's indisputable. It's anti-logia, anti-logic. There's no debate. This is self-evident, is what he's saying, that the, the lesser the subordinate is blessed by the more excellent. Can we talk? Remember Joan Rivers? Can we talk? I'm just going to be blunt. I had a meeting with the FNF this last week. This is a, a mysterion. That's a biblical word, a mysterion. God seems to be stirring among us. And, and for those of you who, who uh, may be new or it's been a long time or whatever, I have a witness sitting over here who's been here with me five years, said he's only heard me ever talk about money maybe three times. So this is not a habit. I don't beat the drum. I'm just telling you this is what the Word of God says. And we had this meeting. We were talking about the fact that God seems to be stirring. Everybody's excited. It looks like he's blessing. We're having uh, newcomers come. I believe people are going to come to Jesus. And financially, we're struggling more than ever. Now, go figure that out. There's only two possibilities. I've been walking with the Lord 45 years, six, seven years, whatever it is. I don't do math, as we already learned today. I don't do math very well. There's only two possibilities. He's stretching us and teaching us to lay hold of him by faith, maybe experiment in ways we never have to trust him, or there's sin in the camp that he's got to crush. There's only two possibilities. Never seen God let me down. I've been in this business a long time. So the reason I'm on this today is, first of all, it comes out of the text. But... The builder generation is fading away, and we need new builders. If you've never stepped up to even try, let me just say, trusting God for a tenth is an ancient principle. That's baby steps. It's, it's a baby step to learn how to trust God. You, I can't give that up. I won't make it. I dare you to try it. I'll give you that portion. Let's see what God does. Let's see if I do pay all my bills at the end of the month. You know what? It'll happen. But don't do it because I'm saying, don't do it because you're legalistically oppressed and feeling guilty. Do it because it's an adventure 
following God by faith to see him show himself faithful. We need him to step in and show himself faithful at Harmony. If we're supposed to have a long-term future, which I think we're supposed to have, God has something in mind for us. Did you know that in the early church, all of the means of grace that we've been talking about were manifest? We've already touched on it. I probably will keep you two minutes late, but let me just finish. I won't even put the verse up. Remember where it says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles, teaching the breaking of bread and all of that? Remember that? Well, it says, breaking of bread into prayer, they began selling their property, they began sharing with all, and the Lord was adding daily to their number. That's an area we still have to work on. But all of those things, they were giving attention to the teaching of the word. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. We already heard that. Fellowship. Encourage one another day by day while it is still called today, lest any of us be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's fellowship. Not talking about the ball game, as fun as that might be. Breaking of bread, which is worship. Let all the angels of God worship him. Our great high priest, he's worthy of worship. The whole first two chapters talked about that. And to prayer, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. Well, the other thing they were doing that's right here in the book of Hebrews is they were giving. So why I'm sharing that is if you've become a child of God or you've been a believer for a while and you're still in control, you have to ask yourself the question, am I the greater or the lesser? Is he who we think he really is? And if so, maybe I need to put my... See how quickly we learn? I need to prove. The lesser gets, I want his blessings. Well, what did Abraham do? He received all the blessings, and he gave a tenth of all the spoils to Melchizedek, the king of righteousness and the prince of peace. So it's a picture of, it's unmistakable. It's outside the Old Testament law. You can't say it's legalism. It's a principle that comes from ancient biblical history. And it was some way that we were designed to honor God and to walk by faith and enjoy him. When we were in Africa, Bishop Oscar, he just got on that. There's so much taught in the scripture, and I have maybe have done a disservice shying away from it a little. And uh, it's been a blessing in my life. I know there's other people sitting in the room who have put God to the test in this and seen him bless them. And we'll probably have to have them share some of that sometime to encourage us. But I'm just asking you, as a believer, maybe who's been naughty on this for a while, or you're just learning about it, like, I never even thought about that. There are two ways I know whether you're really a disciple or not. I can look in your date book, and I can look in your checkbook. That tells me everything, because I've put my money and my time where my mouth is. You can check it off and see Is he really my greater? And I recognize that I am the lesser. So I'm encouraging us to pray into that. You know, we've got a lot of challenges. I've given you two already today, right? Today's a big housekeeping challenge day. I'm encouraging us to sort that out with God, to pray and to ask him to intervene on our behalf. We're moving into Thanksgiving, the Christmas season, the time of giving. Oi. Right? Oi. 
And uh, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to be asking God to show me, is there something beyond what I'm already doing that I need to invest? And I would just invite you to be part of the fun. I'm calling it fun. <gasps> no, no, it's not. It's terrible. No, it's fun. And all the saints, listen to that enthusiastic amen out there. I know my leaders have wanted me to speak on it, and I've done so today, but thank God the word does not leave us in the dark. There's a principle here that God, the greater, wants to bless us, the lesser. And the way we worship him is this way. Let me show you. In the Old Testament, that's what you had to bring to worship. You take that thing and go... And the and then the atoning sacrifice, that's one thing, but read the Bible. They brought all kinds of thank offerings and fellowship offerings. You know, fellowship. I'm fellowshipping. I'm fellowshipping. You guys aren't here. You know, come on, come on. You know, fellowship offering. They, that made a dinner, a party. Everybody would fellowship, and they would fellowship with God, and they would fellowship with the saints. That's what it looked like. And a thank offering was a goat or a sheep. And what was that for them? This is what it was for them. Next picture. Bam. That was their livelihood. That's how they lived. They were taking their life sustenance and bringing it as proof that we believe you're the greater and we want the blessing on us the lesser. Does that make sense? So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Let's stand together. I love the way the Apostle Paul put it, Lord Jesus. Let us lay aside as God has prospered us and give to the kingdom, not under compulsion. I don't want people doing it out of guilt and and uh, feeling beat up in any way, I want them to feel the excitement of cooperating with the greater so that we can receive the blessings on the lesser. Would you move among us? Show us what the issue is at Harmony. I'm going on record, God. Expose. Peel back the cover. Show us. Are you stretching us to move into the future because we don't have it in us by ourselves? Are you stretching us into the future? Or is there something you want crucified. You need to help us. So we cast ourselves on your mercy and ask us to lead us into the future, the blessing of the greater upon us, the lesser. We worship you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. Have a great Thanksgiving. God bless.